whether you're listening to it live or you're listening to it delayed, God has a word. So are you expecting God? Come on, those of you in this room. Are you expecting God? Come on. You got to receive. You're going to receive. You got to expect. We're going to pray. Lord, we expect you to move in our midst. You're on the move. Lord, we don't look to the physical realm. We look to the spirit realm right now, Father. Right now, Lord Jesus. We break off any hardness, hardness of heart, Lord. And we welcome your word into our hearts. Lord, cause our hearts to be soft. That your word would go forth, Lord, and bring fruitfulness and change in our lives. Empowerment in our lives. Lord, we thank you, Father, that you are good. You love people. You love people. And, Lord, you want to empower your children to love people, to bring them to you, Father. For you are the healer. You are the deliverer. You are the savior. You are the answer. You are the answer. And we thank you, Lord. We're going to worship you. We're not just going to sing a song. We're not just going to sing a song. We're going to worship. We're going to worship. Come on, let's worship. Get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave. Now if this morning you looked in the mirror and you saw yourself with all your flaws and your weaknesses, I want you to have the revelation that God has clothed himself with you. So if you are wearing your grave clothes, get up out of that grave, amen? You are Jesus walking on this earth. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Pick me up, you turn me around, you place my feet on solid ground. I thank the master, I thank the savior. Because you heal my heart, you change my name, forever free, I'm not the same. I thank the master, I thank the savior, I thank God. Do you pick me up? Pick me up, you turn me around, you place my feet on solid ground. I thank the master, I thank the savior, because you heal my heart.
talks with me and he walks with me and he dances and he sings over me Hallelujah, 
when I come up here I'm like Lord what do you want to say to the people I have things that have written down I've proclaimed them in last service but now we're at a different dynamic what is it that you want to tell the people and as I was just standing there one thing that I will always commit to you is I will be obedient to the Lord even if it causes you not to like what I have to say okay how, how about that is that okay because we're in this for the eternal deal. It's not just about 
the physical it's not just about you being blessed it's an eternal thing and more and more and more we get that you see the heat is rising in the earth and the enemy would want you to be distracted with things just stuff so that you don't see that the heat is rising and eternity is at our doorstep I want you to be seated for a minute Pastor David and I had the privilege of going to Hawaii yes we were in Hawaii for two almost two weeks that's why we weren't here last Sunday yeah give us a clap <laughs> give Hawaii a clap for letting in tourists but you know what just because you're on a vacation doesn't mean you take a vacation from Jesus okay all of you that go on vacations you know that too right we don't take a vacation from Jesus Jesus goes along with you so we were on our vacation we flew in on Monday and then our first full day was Tuesday in Hawaii and Pastor David likes to snorkel I don't like to snorkel why do you want to be out there with all those wild fish I don't understand it but he loves to do it I think it's kind of creepy myself but um, but it's great if you love to do it so he's out there it's called two-step it's a nice beach lava beach and I sit and read while he's out in the water so I got my nice little private spot because my vacation because I'm in the people business in the God business I wanted to kind of say you know I need to step down a little bit and kind of renew myself and spend time with the Lord and not give out and just receive so I'm sitting there I am praying I'm reading a nice book and all of a sudden the beach starts getting crowded okay and there was this lady that comes she's about my age she's a Hawaii, she's from Hawaii not Hawaiian but from Hawaii because she's one of those people who are such an extrovert you know when an extrovert shows up and she has three dogs which happen to be out of control three dogs unleashed out of control so you know the situation and you have here a pastor that just wants some time you know so she her dogs are jumping all over causing all kinds of havoc and she's out swimming <laughs> making friends and I'm like this is the most irritating lady ever okay <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. You know what I'm saying. How many of you ever felt that way? It's like, really? You know, you got these dogs out of control, wreaking havoc on the beach, and you're out swimming. And, uh, I, you know, me being a former principal and a former, you know, and a pastor, whatever, you're always worried about the dogs biting somebody. You know what I mean? Like, you're really like, all of a sudden, you're you know, responsibility level starts into heightened because they're small children and all these things. So I'm kind of like, man, this lady is so irritating. Finally, another lady shows up with her dog. Now what's going to happen? Three big dogs and a little dog. What happens? You all know what happens with the three dogs to attack the small dog. And of course, the lady who has the three dogs is where? Out in the water. And all of a sudden... There's this big old scramble and mayhem going on with the dogs and the little dogs yipping and hurting, you know, it's a mess. And I'm, my <laughs> stress level is rising, is rising. And so the lady finally comes and gets her dogs and she's sorry. And the dog, the little dog really wasn't hurt, you know, and all that stuff. But it's all drama, drama, drama. And I'm like, Lord, I just need to be away from people right now. That's how I felt. So I'm sitting there pretending not to listen, but I'm listening. And the lady happens to come and sit where? Right by me, right? <laughs> not. She's near me. She's probably about where Jose and Amy are. 
And she's talking, and another lady comes up to her to chat, which I was glad, thankful for so that she wouldn't chat with me. I'm just telling you how I'm feeling here, okay? Just tell, I'm just being real. I don't want to chat with this lady, okay? I just want to read my book. I'm on vacation. I'm trying to get renewed spiritually. And uh, so she begins to chat with this other gal who had just come on to the beach after the mayhem, by the way. So they start chatting, and I can overhear what they're saying. And the lady who has come up, the new one, says, you know what? They start talking about, you know, some of the controversial stuff that we all know, vaccines and, you know, whatever, all this stuff. And I'm like, I don't want to talk about that kind of stuff. And then they say, you know what? The lady says, you know what? I found God during this COVID year. I found God. And the other lady, the one with the wild dogs, says, I found God too. And then now I'm getting interested because I had just had all these bad thoughts. <laughs> now the Holy Spirit is having me listen to this conversation. And, and the lady with the, the wild dogs, the out of control one, she says, yeah, nobody ever told me that Jesus was God. And I found God. And all of a sudden... And the Lord said to me, Lynn, the harvest is white. He had me overhear this message, this conversation, and he said, see, people want to find God. And the only way they can find God is through Jesus. So I felt a little guilty, just a little bit. And I said, Lord... Help me to be sensitive, even during my vacation, to the opportunity to talk about the Lord. Two days later. Okay, so when you say that. Now, see, because that's what we're called to do, by the way. Two days later, we're on a tour. We're going to a vanilla farm, the first commercial vanilla farm of the United States, by the way. It's a nice tour, lunch, whatever. Had a nice lunch, looking forward. It's kind of a semi-gourmet meal, that type of thing. We go out to the tour part, and the oldest son of the family comes to give the tour. And immediately when I look at him, and there's about 15, 20 of us for the tour, immediately the Lord says, I have a word for him, and you're going to give that word to him. Now, this is an interesting thing. How is that going to happen? And the Lord said, tell him, Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. I knew that immediately when I looked at him. We start the tour, and he begins to share about the vanilla plants and all this stuff, and then he shares, yeah, I have taken over the farm because my father, who this was his dream, just passed away from cancer two months ago. And I saw a broken heart. And so while David's listening to the, the vanilla, how interesting, all I can think of is this word that God is downloading in my head. And I'm like, okay, how am I going to get this word to him? But I knew I'm not leaving this farm until he gets the word. Because I remembered the out-of-control lady with the dogs that said, I didn't know Jesus was God. So we go back up to the house. It's time for dessert. It's part of the tour. I sit down. I say, David, give me a pen. Give me a pen. I pick up a wrinkled reservation form in my purse. And 
and I start writing. I know this is strange to you. This is from a stranger. You never had maybe received something like this, but I want you to know the Lord says. And I begin to write the word. And then I fold it up. Don't know his name, so I say, Dear Big Brother. And then I say, Okay, well, I got to get this to him. He had already gone after the tour. He was in charge, so he was busy. So there was the younger brother down there. So I said, You know what? What's your brother's name? Your older brother, one that gave the tour. And he told me, and I wrote it on it. I said, Can you give this to him? It's really important, but it's personal give that to him. He says, I, I will give it to him. And you say, well, what happened? I'm going to tell you, I don't know. Because I had to leave. And he had to work. But I do know this. I obeyed the Lord. And I sent his word to a broken heart. See, that's what we're about that's what Jesus says when he says the harvest is white but the laborers are few the harvest is here and the Lord is saying that to this house he's saying this to you you know we are encountering the power of the Holy Spirit over and over again but what's the purpose of that the purpose of that is so that we are vessels of his love we are vessels of his message we're vessels of reaching out there are a lot of broken hearts out there that's one thing that I have found after being gone for two weeks encountering people after people that have broken hearts and we are being sent Jesus said to the people if you see me you see my father you see God you see the one who created you if you see me you see the father that's what he said in John chapter 14 verse 9 and the Lord began to speak to me and said, you know what, that's what I said. I said, when you see me, you see the Father. Now, what you say is when you see me, you see Jesus. Jose, when people see you, they should see Jesus. Why? Because you're in Christ. You have Jesus in you. The message that we bring is Jesus. I don't bring a message of myself. I bring the message of Jesus. And that's really what we're about is when people see us, they should see Jesus. A lot of times we want to erase the sin in the world without bringing people Jesus. Look at this problem. Look at this immorality. Look at this. But that's not why Jesus came to bring morality. He came to save people because he loves people so many people who call themselves Christians have gotten too much into trying to bring morality but not bring Jesus we bring Jesus what about morality? I'll tell you what. Jesus will take care of that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And whosoever believes in him should not perish. 
Jesus said, I didn't come for the righteous. I came for the unrighteous. Jesus said, I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. Sometimes I think that we are afraid the sin in other people is greater than the power that's in us. Listen, I want you to hear that. Sometimes we think, oh, the sin is going to overtake the power in us. But that's not true. Because 1 John 4, 4 says, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. I'm not afraid of the sin in this world because I have the power in me. Come on. Come on. And what are you saying, Pastor Lynn? I'm saying the Lord wants us to bring his love to people. It is the kindness of God that brings people to repentance. It's not the judgment. It's not the lecturing. I can go into other things we try to do. To force people to live the way we think they should live. But that's not the goal. The goal is bring them Jesus. Jesus. When Jesus told the disciples, the harvest is white, the laborers are few. You know what the story of that is? He has just talked to the Samaritan woman. Samaritans, Jews hated. The disciples did not want to be in Samaria. All of them go to get lunch. Jesus is at the well alone. And he talks with this woman who basically is a prostitute. And he tells her the truth. But he tells her truth in such love that the truth that he tells her confirms to her that he is the Messiah. She says in John 4, 29, Come see a man who told me all the things that I have done. How would you like that? That the, the very confirmation of who God is is the fact that he knew all of my sin. And then she goes and she tells the people in the city, listen, he told me everything that I have done. And you know what happens? So the people run out to find Jesus. Verse 30 of chapter 4. So the people left the city and were coming to Jesus. But you know what else it says? Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus to have a meal. We just came back with lunch. You know, the priority is the lunch. Rabbi eat rabbi and jesus all don't you know what the priority is the priority is bringing my love to people get off of the physical stuff that ensnares you and blinds you to why you're here you're here to bring my love to people people are hurting and they're broken and you have my love to bring to them and Jesus said and some of you who may struggle sometimes to saying, why am I here what's my purpose why am I here? Why am I doing what I'm doing? This is what the word is for you. Just as Jesus told the disciples, my will is to do the Father's will. My food is to do the Father's will. What satisfies my life, what causes me fulfillment. Some of you that say, why am I, do why am I in the career that I'm doing? Why am I, I feel so dissatisfied. Do you know what? 
give that to the Lord and he's going to use that very avenue that he has placed you in so that the food that you live on, the true food, the true satisfaction, the true fulfillment is going, I'm going to walk in his steps. I'm going to be his light. I'm going to be his messenger. I'm going to be his love. I'm going to bring Jesus to people where he puts me. The Lord is calling this house to evangelism. He's causing us to not be all caught up in other things, but to bring God's love to people. And you said, well, what was the point of you giving a note to that young man? I'm going to tell you, some of us sow, some of us water, and some of us get to see the harvest, the person coming to the kingdom. But in God's eyes, it's all the same. The Lord is calling us to actively, daily, be connected to the divine appointments that he has. And I'm going to guarantee you, he has divine appointments for you this week in unexpected ways. There's unexpected moments in your life that the Lord says he's going to quicken you to say, will you be my messenger? Will you express love? And a lot of times we think it has to be some sort of big thing. I'm going to tell you more times than not, it's in the small things. It's in the hug. It's in the listening ear. It's bringing cookies to your new neighbor. It's it's being there for somebody. It's whatever that the Lord is asking. It's writing a note to a young man you don't even know, but you know that it's a word for him. It's telling somebody that Jesus is God. Don't harden your heart. Don't be religious. Religion creates barriers. Do you understand that? Religion creates self-righteous barriers. We don't want to be religious. We want to be Jesus to people. Jesus said, if you see me, you see the Father. And we should say, if you see us, you see Jesus. Well, what's the scripture for that? 2 Corinthians 3, 3 says, it is clear that you are a letter from Christ. You are a letter from Christ. Written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. You are a letter to Christ. Just like that note I sent to that young man, there's a letter given to you. You say, well, I'm not perfect. Pastor Lynn, I'm not perfect. I mean, I'm really not, but you have no idea I'm not perfect. Guess what? None of us are, and you don't bring you to people. You bring Jesus to people. You don't have to be perfect because you're not bringing you. You bring in Jesus. And the fact that you're not perfect, but you have the love of God is the testimony right there. It's the testimony of what God can do with imperfect people. Now, I want to pray for some people in this room right now. And Lord gave me specific, so I'm just going to do this specific today. I like to make it more general. More people get prayed for, but Lord said, don't make it general, make it specific. If you're involved at all in any form of sports programs, any sports program that can include your children involved in sports programs uh, coaching sports programs you are in a sports program go to the gym walk with other people walking ladies walking whatever i want you to stand up if you are involved at all in a sports program 
If you sit and watch your grandkids play soccer, you're involved in a sports program. If you do fantasy football, you are involved in a sports program, even though you actually don't do much cardio, except for when you're losing. And then you're getting all upset. Okay. Those of you that are standing, you know, the Lord said, the Lord wants to use these avenues that he has furrowed for you. The Lord is telling me that you think this is about the sport, but the Lord says this is about an opportunity. I want to use you to bring my love to people in these dynamics. Now, as you go out, as you leave today, now you hear from the Lord what he has told you. He has said, I'm going to use you in this dynamic. And I want you to listen and to speak my words, to do what I tell you to do. There are people that I am, this sports program is a bridge to people. And it's not the sports program's bridge. It's my bridge. That's what the Lord is saying. It's my bridge. You think, oh, my kids wanted to be in this or I need exercise or whatever. But the Lord says, no, this is my bridge to bring my love. And you're going to have divine appointments. And the Lord also says, don't box me in on what that looks like. The divine appointment can be a conversation that seems unimportant, but it will lead to Jesus. You might hear somebody is sick or their family member has cancer or they lost a loved one and the Lord says, I want to heal the broken heart. How do I heal the broken heart? I heal the broken heart through you. Through you. You're going to hear people who fear and have anxiety and have worries. And the Lord says, I bring my peace. I speak my peace to them through you. The Lord says, I'm going to cause you to sow seed. Sow seed of me into them. They're going to be attracted to you. Some of you, it's going to feel like you're with the lady with the dogs. You know what that means? You're really, those people that may be the most irritating to you may be the person that sits right next to you. And the Lord says, my love is going to go forth. My love is going to go forth because you are going to be the person that tells them, Jesus is God. Jesus is God. And they're going to come to know Jesus. Now I want you to open up your heart right now. Don't get stony. Don't be resistant. Some of you don't want to step out of your comfort zone. The Lord says, you know what? Your food is to do the will of the Father. Your food, your life purpose, your life purpose meaning your fulfillment. You're always running here to and fro. And I'm telling you what your fulfillment is, is you are my messenger. You are my person that I have put you exactly where you are for a reason because you are my spokesperson you are the one with my love to tell people about my love to change the destiny for people the eternal destination for people you are the person that is the fisher of men you are the person that i am making you into a one that brings people to me all right, we're going to pray. Holy Spirit, this is a word. I know this is a word. Holy Spirit, 
I pray against the spirit of fear, intimidation, pride, arrogance, people caring what people think. Some of you, I feel like you, you think, well, there's such a bad rap that Christians sometimes justifiably because of the message of hate that's gone out. So I shouldn't say anything. And the Lord says, don't let the enemy shut your mouth. The Lord says, you're bringing my love, my goodness, my kindness, my acceptance of people. Jesus' arms are wide open for people. He doesn't ask them to clean up their lives, to believe a certain way or whatever. He just embraces them. And that's all that you have to do is embrace them and love them. You don't need to argue certain things. You don't need to argue certain moral things. You don't need to do that. Just let them know. Jesus loves them. Jesus is God. Jesus died for them. And they and that he wants them. He wants to embrace them. That he's the answer for their lives. Holy Spirit, we break off intimidation. We break off the enemy's smokescreen of fear. We break off caring if we're accepted. Even in the rejection, know that the seed has gone forth. The seed of the word. And scripture says in Isaiah, it does not return void. It will produce the very thing that God intended for it to produce. You just got to do it. And may the spirit of love be upon you in such a way that just like when Jesus talked to the Samaritan woman and told her all the sin that she had, she went away feeling loved, feeling accepted, feeling free, knowing that Jesus was the Messiah. May there be such a spirit of love that pours out from us. Lord, may we not get into the arguments and the philosophies of this world, but may we have the spirit of love go forth in your name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Matthew, why don't you come on up? Is Matthew here? morning. I want to welcome everybody. Uh, we just want to say, for me, I just hope that all you guys had a good week. If you did, you're in the right place. If you didn't, you're in the right place too. So we just want to welcome you. Uh, we want to welcome all the visitors. If it's your first time here, we ask that you would fill out one of the cards on the back of the pew. Just uh, give a little bit of your information so we can get back to you give you some information about the stuff that's going on here at the church. Um, we have different opportunities to get together. We have women's meetings. We have men's meetings. We have youth, children, different groups, life groups for different ages, different uh, avenues of life. So we just encourage you to get involved. Um, tonight we have a worship proclamation. Uh, it's from 530 to 7. I encourage you to come. It's just a more intimate time with God. It's more intimate time to to uh, have with Him, to be able to 
spend time in his presence, to sit in his presence. So I encourage you to come. Uh, Tuesday evenings, uh, we have a men's gathering. We have an open gym. We usually play basketball. Uh, I was telling you earlier that it's <clears throat> it's awesome to come and to, to play. Um, you feel good in the day, and then the next day you're a little sore, but it's it's an awesome time to spend together. So come on out. Uh, water baptisms. Water baptisms. Um, I encourage... If you've never been baptized or you want to be baptized again, come, sign up. It's a way for you to proclaim that my old way of living is gone. I'm raised to a new life, you know. And so I just encourage you to step out and to do that if God's put that on your heart. Uh, If you miss one of the sermons, um, we have different ways, different uh, ways of hearing the sermon again we have apple Podcasts, we have spotify um so if, if you missed it or you just really enjoyed a service there, there's opportunities to hear it again so um missionary of the week it's the smith family uh they're in ecuador and i just encourage you to pray for them they're in a uh an area where it's The city they're in is Kayakui? Is that how you say it? Kayakui? <laughs> the city is home to 3.5 million people. Uh, they minister to the slum areas of that city. Um, in Latin America, it's said that it's 18 years old or younger. That's, the, that's a totally new generation that we can reach that can affect the next generation after that. So I just encourage you to pray for them. Pray that they're able to reach that that generation, that it'll just continue to spread. So we are having a service, a memorial service for Bob Sava. Um, Bob Sava was an awesome man of God. Um, He was a unique man of God. You know, if if you met Bob, his personality was one that it was just Bob, you know. So I just encourage you to come out, you know, spend time uh, with Vivian and just uh, be an encouragement. It's on Saturday, June 5th at 11 in the sanctuary, and then there's going to be a lunch in the gymnasium right across. Tides and offering. So I want to read something from Acts. And it, it says, uh, a deep sense of awe came over them. It's in uh, Acts 2.43. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And uh, I was reading a devotional, and this is one of the things that it was saying in, in the devotional. It says, God's will for all his people is to uphold one another by giving generously. And later on, it says, um, God has poured out his generosity to you in Jesus, and you are called to respond in faith 
and generosity to others. Each of the, the passages today, each of the passages today is about blessings and curses. The key to fullness of the blessing is generosity. The righteous giving give generously. Psalms 37, 21. So I just encourage us to give generously because he gave generously to us. He died for us. He gave all for us. So I just encourage that you would give generously because there's so many different things that we can give to. Not just our tithe, but an offering, which is separate. So I just ask that if God's placed it on your heart to give, give. He's going to bless you. So let's pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, Lord, we just, we bless this offering, this tithe, my God, and we just ask that you multiply it, my God. Lord, I pray that if they're giving from lack or from abundance, my God, that you would pour into them, Father. Pour into them. Open the windows of heaven, my God, and pour into their storehouse, Father. Lord, I just ask that you multiply what's given, my God, a hundred times. Lord, I just pray that it would go to what it needs to go to, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. faces. Some of us look better with masks, some without. You know, my wife doesn't like to snorkel, but if she learned to snorkel, she wouldn't have to deal with people on the beach. No, but I was out snorkeling, and I've, I've snorkeled all over the world, and I'm a really strong swimmer. And I was out, and, uh, you know, part of me is like a recreate. My undergraduate degree is recreation and parks. And so I'm out in the water, and there's this huge moray eel. Its head is about this big around it's about seven or eight feet long, and it was beautiful. And I'm out there treading water over the coral that it's under. And I turn to this person, and I say, hey, if you want to see a moray eel, there's one here. And she goes, quit standing on the coral. And I'm like, I'm not standing on the coral. I'm treading. And then she yelled at me a second time, you're standing on the coral. So she was fighting dogs, and I was fighting people that don't know what they're talking about. So we were both challenging. But uh, it was a good time to be away, good to be back. Uh, you know, God... Uh, has some great things in store for us as a church. You know, we've been dealing with, a couple weeks ago, we started uh, a series called uh, People of the Kingdom. And the reason we want to talk about this is because I want to talk to you about what it means to truly be a disciple of Christ. You know, there's a lot of people that are church attenders, but aren't really disciples of Christ. You know, it's interesting. We, uh, 
when we were visiting Hawaii, uh, we were on the big island, and one of our former students from 15, 16, 17, 19, 20 years ago now, about 20 years ago, um, lives on the other side of the island. She lives in Hilo, so we drove over Sunday morning, got up at about 5.30 and drove over uh, to church because they had an 8, 8 o'clock church service, uh, 8.30 uh, meeting, and uh, we saw her, and it was funny because her father and I were in graduate school together and didn't realize it until we sat down and had lunch together at the church. It was on Mother's Day. And uh, we were, were talking, and while we're driving there, we saw a picture of a church. And I want to uh, get you the picture. I didn't get a chance to see it, but it was it's a church called the Community of Christ. That was the name of the church. And their sign out in front of it said, Close for renovations. Pray for us. Peace. And I thought, wait, here is the, and I don't know if anyone wants to find the humor in that. The community of Christ is closed for renovations. Pray for us. Peace. And I thought to myself, isn't that the state of a lot of believers? Instead of being the body of Christ that is open to the world around them, they're closed for renovations. They're so uh, obsessed with self-improvement that they're not being what Christ called us to be, which is salt and light to the world. And as believers, I love the, the fact that we are the epistle, we are the book that Jesus wrote on so other people could de- identify us. So when we're working, when we're rubbing shoulders with other people, when we're encountering people outside of this community here, outside of this building here, we actually become Jesus to them. Some people, that's the only Jesus they'll ever get to know because they haven't, they haven't had an experience. You know, one of the, the, the tours that we... Uh, we went on. It was interesting because we spent two and a half hours on this farm, and we're like geeky, so we go places we like to like learn stuff, you know. And so we went on this tour, and uh, it was a coffee plantation and some other things they were doing there. And the gentleman that owned the business talked about him and his partner, how they, he and his partner were married. Uh, he was living in a, a gay lifestyle. And he was talking about all the stuff, and, and, and he and I just hit it off really good. You know, we just kind of hit off a good conversation, and, and I'm really in agriculture kind of stuff really plays with my mind and stuff. And so we went through the whole tour, and we're talking and be friends, and, and he took us around, showed us all the plants, and he's explaining everything, how he developed this whole place. And so at the end of the tour, all the people are in the store, and they're buying stuff, and all the ladies are giving this guy a hug as he's, they're leaving. And... Uh, he, he goes, so, so what do you do for a living? I said, oh, you know, and he always asked, that's, when you're, you're a pastor, you always have to be careful because you're either going to get a, a really, like, person wants to tell them all their problems or they're going to go, oh. And I said, well, we, my wife runs, I always defer to my wife. My wife runs a nonprofit. We do a lot of stuff globally with education and human traffic rescuing, and we microfinance people. And, and I said, and I, I'm an administrator of a school, and I said, I'm also an ordained minister. And it was interesting what do you think his response was? Took two steps back from me. Now, what does that say about the message? When I was telling him all the stuff we do for education and everything, he was leaning in. But as I mentioned that I was a minister, he took two steps back, which to me immediately said he'd been hurt by someone in the church or hurt by someone that was a Christian. So I said, Hey, I appreciate all this stuff you gave, you know, the tour stuff. I said, can I give you a hug? Jose, can I borrow you for a second? Come on. So he, he walked. You're COVID positive? Okay, good. So am I. Only kidding. I've been vaccinated. So he's up there, and I said, can I give you a hug? And he goes, okay. 
And it wasn't one of these hugs. Like, I just gave him one of these. And I said, I appreciate you. And I was, as I'm holding him, I'm patting him on the back and hugging him, telling him how much I appreciate him. Thanks, brother. Uh, I, I tell him how much I appreciate him, how much I appreciate his creativity. That, and, I, and I said, and God's got some great things in store for you. Now, why did I do that? One is because we are called to love people irregardless if they're like us or unlike us. We're called to be salt and light in the world. We're, we're called, Jesus didn't say, only love those that are like you, you know? Only, so if, if, if you're, uh, I'll pick on you again, if you're Salvadorian, you only love Salvadorians. You don't like Guatemalans, right? As long as you like pupusas. Yeah, as long as they make good pupusas, it's my thing too, man. You make good food, you know? My favorite thing to cook is reservations, okay? Uh, seriously. But you, you, we're called to love people different than us. And we live in a world that there are people very different than us. They've been brought up differently than us. They've been culturally changed different than us. Their language may be different than us. But we are called to love them as Christ loved the church. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? So if we're going to be people of the kingdom, how do we bring in the presence of Christ into things? Well, I talk a lot about atmosphere. What is atmosphere? You know, atmosphere is literally the way you feel when you walk into a place. Have you ever walked into a place and all of a sudden you're like, wow, this is something weird is going on here. I, I don't know what it is. I can't explain it. I don't, I, I don't cognitively process what's going on, but I just feel weird in this place. Hopefully it's not in here, okay? Uh, it, or you walk into another place and it's like, wow, I feel right at home. Like we walked, you know, we walked into this one place we were at and we sat down. And it was like, wow, this is like, I could live here. And I, I commute's a little long on Sunday, but, you know, I could live there. No, you feel things. And when we're talking about atmosphere, what we're talking about is the environment that you're in and the mood that it produces. Well, you know, we are called as believers to change the spiritual atmosphere from darkness to light. We're called to bring in the presence of the Lord wherever we go. And it's not something, it's like a, not like a light switch we turn on and off. We should be aware of what's going on around us as believers. Why? Because we have the presence of the Spirit in us. In, in, the, in the book of uh, uh, 2 Corinthians, it says, Don't you know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? You are the dwelling place of the Spirit of God. All right? So what we do is when we come into a situation, we should be people that bring in the presence of the Lord. So one of what is interesting because when, when we're preparing for a Sunday service, if Pastor Lynn's speaking or I'm speaking, we don't sit down and share our notes with one another. So what was the verse she shared with the, the, the man at the, the vanilla farm? Do you remember? Jeremiah 29.11. So that's one of my favorite verses. I want to share it. Jeremiah 29.11 says this. I know the plans the Lord has for you. Plans to do what? To prosper you and not harm you. Now, is that specifically geared just to the Christian? It's for all people. You know, God's desire is to bless the nations God's desire is to bless people. God's desire is to help them to prosper. Now, when we think of prosperity, we think of that poor woman in California that was doing her laundry and laundered the $24 million lotto ticket. Did you hear that? Yeah, she didn't have a copy or a photograph of it. I don't, I don't, I've never bought a lottery ticket. I don't want that kind of wealth. I'll, I'll let the Lord prosper me other ways. But if you, if you do buy the lottery ticket, they say take a photo of it because if you have a photograph of the ticket, it's like the same thing. But this woman put it in her pocket, did her laundry, and then realized the ticket she had won. And how many of you have done that? Opened up the laundry and she has little tiny pieces? Well, that's all she had, and apparently she's not going to get the $24 million. 
poor thing. Anyway, so where was I? Losing lottery tickets. (laughs) Pull them back in, David. Uh, Changing the atmosphere. So when we go into an environment, we either create a positive influence, a negative influence, or many times we'll just go in and just, we're going to go with the flow. We're not going to affect anything. We're not going to change things. That's not what God's called us. God's called us to be his ambassadors. An ambassador goes in and represents someone else. So as believers, we go into places and we represent the lordship of Jesus Christ. You, most of us don't work in a church environment, right? How many of you work in a church environment? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. The rest of us, eight. The rest of us, you're, you're still deciding whether you work here, right? <laughs> the rest of us work in an environment where we're, we're rubbing shoulders with people that, that are very different than us and, and maybe some values in the way they, they believe and the way they act. We're called to represent Christ to them. We're called to be Jeremiah 29.11 to them. We're called to, to bring in the presence of the Lord to them so they can have an experience with God. And one of the beautiful things when you look at Scripture, God's called us to tra- transform the culture around us. You know, I believe this. I believe that as believers, we usher in the presence of the Lord everywhere we go, whether it's spoken or unspoken, because there's, we're spiritual beings. Every single person you encounter, whether they accept Christ, whether they deny Christ, whether they're an atheist, an agnostic, whether they're into all sorts of other things, you and I represent spiritual beings. We were created in the image and likeness of God. Scripture says every single one of us was created in the image and likeness of God. And as a result, we're first and foremost spiritual. As believers, we're people that know the Holy Spirit. We're people that have experienced the encountering a presence of God, and it transformed us. The problem with a lot of people that are spiritual, they're spiritual within a lot of things, in crystals and trees and you know, being out in nature, and all those things are fine that you could ex- encounter a, a presence of something there, but you're not experiencing true spirituality unless you're a person who is born of the Spirit. Jesus, when he breathed on his disciples... He gave them the Holy Spirit. And what we want to be is we want to be people that follow the teachings of Christ. So when Jesus was with his disciples, and he was in, in, on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee, and in Matthew chapter 6, he started giving his ethical teachings about what it meant to be a follower of Christ. And in Matthew chapter 6, if you look at it, he ta- he's asked by uh, the disciples, teach us how to pray. So what does he, he say? He says, this is then how you should pray in Matthew 6, verse 9 and 10. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, where? On earth as it is in heaven. So as believers, we're called to bring the presence of heaven here to earth. Now there is some theology and we can get into that and I can put my professorial hat on and all that fun stuff and we say, are we talking about how God's going to establish the kingdom now, here on earth? No, but what we're doing is we're establishing the presence of the Lord into a fallen world. Someday this world's going to pass away. There's going to be a new heaven and new earth. Read the book of Revelation. I'll tell you about that. But our goal as believers is to bring the presence of the Lord in such a way that people encounter the love of God. Think about it. Think about when you first encountered the love of God. Think about how it changed your perspective. You know, I was telling the first service, you know, I, I was raised as, as a uh, two-Sunday-a-year Christian. My mother would go to church on Easter and Christmas, and the other 50 weeks a year we did whatever we wanted. 
and uh, she used to go to a little Presbyterian church, and she would go to church, and they had a Sunday school building that was in a separate building. It was down the end of the street, and she would drop me off at Sunday school, and as soon as she'd leave, I'd sneak out the side door and run over to the gas station, and back then, gas stations had soda machines, and if you remember, those of us that are old enough, if you're skinny enough in your arm, you could reach up in the soda machine and pop the soda bottles out for free, and that's what I used to do. So the guy at the gas station would allow me to stay there because I'd get him free sodas. I also had an arm skinny enough because I was like a twig. I could fit my arm up in a cigarette machine and flick the switch to get packs of cigarettes warm. So he loved having me stay there during church. You know, I was the town hellion. Everyone in town knew I was a hellion, except my mom. She was oblivious, you know? And so a pastor in town, they targeted me as a prayer victim. They started praying for me that I would come to know Christ, all right? So you don't think prayer is effective? Let me tell you, it is. I'm a personal example. And so it was interesting because this church, they had two young men in the church that they were grooming from the time they were young boys to be pastors. And both of them were kind of being groomed up by the pastor, by their parents. Their goal in life was to be a pastor. Now, guess who of the three is a pastor? The other two aren't even serving the Lord, okay? And the pastor that, of that church, every time I talked to him about once a month, he'd tell me, he says, you know, David, I remember when the Lord put you on our heart to pray for. Everyone in the church says, oh, man, you got to pray for David Willis. He is a town hellion. Everyone knew me. I was their newspaper carrier, you know, and I delivered papers to all these people. But they knew I was a wildcat. But I tell you, I'm just as wild for Jesus as I was before. And, and I turned that, that passion for being crazy to being passionate for being crazy for Christ. And so it was interesting because when you start praying for people, you don't realize that when you're praying for people, the people you're praying for, you're going to change their destiny. The, the people in that church that prayed for me had no idea that 30, 40 years later, the person they prayed for would be pastoring a church that built nine churches, ten churches around the world. They, you know, matter of fact, we just got pictures from Pastor Kieran. She already has the roof on the building, the church in Nepal we're building. She already has the, the walls and the roof on it, and they're getting ready to pour the floor. We'll show you pictures in the newsletter next Sunday. But it's like, you know, that's what we're doing, and, and you have no idea. Praise God for that, right? You have no idea what your prayer does and how it affects the spiritual atmosphere and climate of a person's life. But what we're called to do is we're called to reach up to heaven, grab hold of the Father, and then say, Lord, now let your will be done through me. And I tell you, one of the things that God wants to do is he wants the kingdom of God revealed to people around us. And the only way he's going to do that is if you and I speak out his word. You know, as a, as a professor, I used to teach a class on church history. And it was interesting because... Church history really messed up the functioning body of Christ. In the 1300s, there was a movement that they figured that if they had professional clergy, we would take care of everything, right? So the people on this side of the pulpit would take care of doing all the spiritual things, and you all would just come and sit and listen, right? Is that ever the intent of God? No, because he says... We are the priesthood of all believers. Every single one of us has a responsibility to serve the Lord. Every single one of us has a responsibility to be voices for the, the things of the Lord. Every single one of us has a responsibility to communicate the love of Christ to people. And, and one of the things that is interesting is Jesus is, is so intent on teaching his disciples. He says, this is how you pray. Father, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
So how does that happen? I think, first of all, it happens when we as people of the kingdom are called to proclaim his kingdom. You and I are called to proclaim the kingdom of God everywhere we go. Now, some of us, there's problems with that because we, we work in an environment that you can't, you know, you can't invite me to your office and I can't come in and stand on the desk in the morning and preach the gospel to your coworkers, right? Now, if you ask me to come to your office, I'll come and I'll pray, but I'll pray that you are boldened, emboldened, and empowered to proclaim to your coworkers. I'll ask that God gives you a strategy to unlock the hearts of the people so that they can hear the message of the gospel. I'll pray that you have wisdom in who to talk to and when to talk to so that you can be a witness to them. But one of the things that God has called us to do is to realize that his kingdom needs to be established in us. And it's interesting because one of the things that we have to come to terms with is what Paul told the church in Philippi in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, that his kingdom is not of this world. You and I have to get the mindset that this world does not want to embrace the gospel of Christ. What we do, we are ambassadors for him to it. We come into a situation and we communicate the gospel to the people around us. We realize that his kingdom wants to be established. And you know who he's going to do it through? You. Not me. My role is to equip you so that you can go and take what you learned here and spread it. Just think what would happen in our communities if every person in this church went and preached to the people they work with. Not preached condemnation, but preached the love of God. Preached that the Lord wants to prosper you and not harm you. The Lord wants to give you a future and a hope. The Lord is, is, is in love with you. The Lord cares for you. The Lord wants to use you. Think what that would do to the communities around us. It would, it would change the atmosphere of those communities. And one of the things that God wants to do is God wants us to, to not be so spiritually introspective that we, we, I call it naval Christians. How many of you have a navel? You have a belly button? You know, look at your belly button. Some of you, it's a challenge, but others, it's, it's there someplace, you know. Well, if you're only looking at this, you can't see the world around you. God wants us to take our focus off of ourselves and start looking upon other people. God wants us to be ambassadors for him. God wants us to share the grace of God with others. God wants us to, to look at others and see and, and have a compassion for them and have a, a, a heart for them so that when they're talking to us and they're telling us about difficult things they're going through, you don't think, oh, that, that's a shame. Sorry to hear that. Not much I can do. You know? No, you can do this. Hey, would you like, I'm a, I'm a person of prayer, and what I would like to do is, if it's, okay with, if it's okay with you, can I pray with you about this? You know, I can count on one hand the times I've asked people that, that they've told me no. I had a guy I used to work with who had 666 tattooed on his forehead, and was talking to me one day about something, and I asked him, I said, hey, can I, can I pray with you on that? And he said, yes. I was actually shocked. I thought he wouldn't. <laughs> But I built up a relationship with him where there's a trust. You know, and all you have to do is you don't have to get crazy and go ah, scream and grab him by the forehead and, you know, speak in tongues over him. You don't have to do that. Okay? You can just say, like, if they're going through a difficult situation, say, hey, I just want to pray. Lord, I know you love this person. I know you care for them. I know that the pain that they're going through, Lord, is a pain you feel. And, Lord, you can just, I pray right now that you just demonstrate your love to them, you demonstrate their compassion to them, you demonstrate your care for them, and you touch them in, in Jesus' name. And watch what happens. 
You know, one of the things that I found is that usually the people that are the most antagonistic to you as a believer, when you're a believer in a group, they'll attack you like a pack of dogs, like those dogs at the beach. They'll attack the little one, you know. But when they go through a difficult situation, they'll, they'll find you out. And they'll say, hey, you know, can you say a word for me? Like, what, what word would you like to say? Well, you know, can you say something to the man upstairs? What do you mean? I always ask them. I, I, want them to get them to, I want them to know that it's just not some vague. I want them to say, will you pray for me? And then just pray for them. Encourage them. Talk to them. Help them to come to an understanding of Christ. And what you do is you're building a foundation because it, I don't know about your salvation, but my salvation didn't happen instantaneously. It wasn't like all of a sudden I didn't hear anything, and then all of a sudden I had a divine encounter, the skies open, a beam of sunlight shined down on me, and it was like, oh, it was people talking to me. It was a church that prayer victimed me, literally what they did. They prayed for me. They got a photograph, my high school picture. I wish I would have kept one. I actually had hair in it, long hair, actually. It was like long down hair, blonde. I used to have it in a ponytail in the back. That's how long my hair was, you know, like yours used to be, Jose. What happened to your hair, by the way? The whole family got a haircut, you know? Do you guys get a lawnmower or something, you know? But I had this long ponytail, and they took my picture, and they passed it out to the whole church and prayed for me. You don't think prayer changes things? Start praying for people. Start praying that God would use you as a witness to them. Start praying that God would soften your heart towards them and their heart towards the Lord. Ask that the Holy Spirit would give you divine encounters where you have opportunities to share what you believe, not to beat people down, but to build them up. I know the plans the Lord has for you, not to harm you, but to prosper you and to give you a future and a hope. That's what God wants you to do. And, you know, it's interesting because as people of the, the kingdom, we're called to expand his kingdom. And the way we expand his kingdom is by talking about it. You know, life and death, Scripture says, is in the power of the tongue. So if we believe life and death is in the power of the tongue, we have a responsibility to communicate the message of Christ. Think about the people that talk to you about Christ. Think about the people that prayed for you. Now, you need to pass that forward. You need to start encouraging other people. You need to start praying for people because as you start praying for people, God will give you a divine strategy on how to communicate to them. Do you know something? Scripture is, is so, so powerful. It talks to us in, about how, how the message of the gospel is a beautiful thing. Look what it says in the book of Romans chapter 10, verse 15. This is an interesting passage of Scripture because Romans 10, 15 is actually a quote from the book of Isaiah. In Romans 10, 15, it says, And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? Guess what? You and I have been sent. And this is what is written. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. What does that mean? Does that mean you're going to have a, a nice mani-pedi and your feet are going to look all nice? No. Look what, go back to the next passage, the uh, prophet Isaiah. Look what it says in Isaiah chapter, 50, or chapter 52, verse 7. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. Who do what? They proclaim peace who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Now, let me, do you, let me do you something for you. Look at your feet. You don't have to have sparkly three-and-a-half, four-inch stilettos like Pastor Lynn or ugly black shoes like me. You can have, like, nice tennis shoes on or you can have tactical boots on. You can have sandals. Michael, you're wearing cowboy boots, right? It doesn't matter. Look at your feet. The Lord wants your feet to be messengers to take the gospel to the places you work. Do you know the Lord, there will be places where I can't go 
when, we, when we were living in India, we had a person that was trying to get into the call centers because they figured if they could get into the call centers of India, they would spread the gospel all over the country. And I kept telling them, hey, dude, you don't have an access pass. You don't have a card that will get you through the security gate to give you permission to take the gospel there. You need to take the gospel where you have permission. I don't have permission to come to your workplace unless you own the place to, to communicate. But you have permission to go there. And what you need to do is you need to start asking the Lord, Lord, these feet need to be commissioned to take the gospel to my workplace. Now, you know what's amazing about it? It says that how beautiful are the feet of those. Now, how many of you have really beautiful feet? How many of you have bunions, corns, toenails, cracked, you know, all that nasty toe fungus, all that stuff the commercials are on? You look at your feet and you go, these aren't very beautiful. But, you know, they're beautiful to the people that you use to take the gospel to. When you lead a person to the, to the Lord, doesn't matter what you did in the past, there's always a connection and a bond. When we were visiting our, our former student, she was so appreciative of what we did in her life 20 years ago that she kept talking, oh, I'm so thankful, I'm so thankful, I'm so thankful what you did, how you poured in life. Why? Because we invested spiritually in her. And people that you invest in spiritually have a bond and a connection with you. And that's what makes your feet beautiful. It's not on a physical level, but it's on a spiritual level. God wants you to be commissioned to take the gospel everywhere you go. Now, you know what it says in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the Old Testament? It tells us in the book of Deuteronomy that every place you touch your feet will be yours. Now, think about that. Going into your office, walking into homes of customers that you're working for, walking over to your neighbor's house, walking around the store. God wants to give us those places. But you know what it has to happen? We have to have a mindset that we've been sent by the Lord. How many of you want that this morning? How many of you want to say, God, use me, send me? Let's pray. Father, right now I ask, we commission our feet, that, Lord, these feet that you've given us, Depending on, we could have size 2 foot or a size 12 foot, it doesn't matter. We could be wearing dress shoes or we could be wearing flip-flops. We could be wearing work boots or we could be going barefoot. Lord, it doesn't matter. But Lord, I pray for each and every one of us that we will look at our feet as messengers of the gospel. That we can see ourselves as being people who are called and commissioned. Not just called, but commissioned by you. That you have given us all authority on heaven and earth to take the message of the gospel everywhere we go. I pray, Father, that we would not be shy, we would not be intimidated, we would not be uh, uh, anxious, but, Lord, we would have a peace that passes understanding. And I pray, Lord, every morning when we get up and we put shoes on our feet, we slip into sandals, we slip into to, uh, uh, whatever shoe we wear, that, God, we would see that as an appointment time that we have with someone that day. That, Lord, our walking into businesses, our walking into offices, our walking into our workplace, our walking into schools, our walking into stores, Lord, would be opportunities for us to share the love of Jesus with others. And Lord, I pray that we would not be intimidated, we'd not be fearful, we'd not be anxious, but Lord, we would see that there is a divine destiny upon us to proclaim your kingdom to people we come in contact with. In your name we ask, amen. Guess what? You've just been commissioned to take the gospel to places that I would never have an opportunity to go. Jack, when you're walking around those nursing homes, guess what? You're an ambassador. When Mike, when you're at work, you're going to all those places, you're an ambassador. When we meet people, we are called to be ambassadors. And what are we called to do? The, gospels, the, the message of the gospel is this. We're called to represent Christ. 
And the, and the problem with so many times with what we've done in the church is we haven't been very kind to people. You know, the reason that gentleman took two steps back from me is because someone was probably unkind to him. And, and what, is, what does James tell us? James tells us that we should not show favoritism. If you look at the book of James chapter 2, it's kind of an interesting section because the first few verses of James chapter 2 talks about favoritism. And what is favoritism? Oh, well, if you're wealthy, oh, come, we have a seat up here for you. We have reserved seating up here, right here. You could sit right here. You could sit in the $50 seats. But if you're not, you have to sit way in the back. You have to sit in the nosebleed section, you know? That's not the way we treat people. We treat people the same way every day. We treat people, we address them as Christ would look at them. And who did, who did Christ really come against? He came against the self-righteous people, didn't he? When Jesus was walking the earth, he, he didn't have problems with the people that were, their lives were messed up. He had a problem with the people who thought their lives weren't, right? So what we do is we address people the way Christ did. How do we deal with things like social injustice? How do we deal with things like poverty? How do we think, deal with things about taking care of pe- people that are less fortunate than us? We have a heart for them like Christ did. And one of the things the Lord wants us to do is he wants us to look at people in a different perspective. You know, there's a, a passage in the Old Testament that when Jesus was in the temple and he was seated in the temple, he actually took the scroll of Isaiah and quoted it. And this is what the Lord, I believe, wants you and I to experience. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 61, there's eight verses in the beginning of that chapter. And this is what this, the word says. Look at it. Isaiah 61, 1 through 8. He says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord. Now, sovereign means all-powerful, all-controlling. He said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has done what? He has anointed me. Say that. The Lord has anointed me. And what has he anointed you to do? To proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent you to bind up the brokenhearted. He has sent you to proclaim freedom to the captives and release from darkness of those who are prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn and to provide for all those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. That's talking about mourning. Ashes in Scripture talk about when you're in a mourning period. God wants to give you a, a crown of, 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 of uh, beauty rather than that. An oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. And they will be called what? Oaks of righteousness. A planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. Let me tell you something. God wants to raise you up as an oak of righteousness. Now, what is the characteristic of an oak tree? Hard, solid wood and deep, deep roots. As you get deeper in the Lord, the Lord's going to solidify your understanding of Him. And what you will do is you will take the message that He's proclaimed and you'll be able to disseminate it to other people. Your root system will go out really far. The contact you'll have with people will be extended. But you'll also grow in stature and understanding of the Lord. And not only that, as an oak of righteousness, this is what is so, so incredible, beautiful about this passage. He says, listen to this, and they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks, foreigners will work in your fields and vineyards, and you will be called priests of the Lord. You ever thought about that? You're a priest or a priestess? 
that you have a divine calling and a divine destiny on your life to communicate the gospel of Jesus to others. And you will be named ministers of our God. And you will feed on the wealth of the nations and the riches will, you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And you know what your inheritance is? Not material things, but spiritual things. People. You know, people ask us all the time, well, how many kids do you have? Oh, we have, you know, three children. And how many grandkids do you have? Well, biologically, we have five. But spiritually, we have a couple hundred. They always look at you, you know. You're not that old, you know. How many are in your family? There's only three of our kids. But we have children and grandchildren. And you have children and spiritual grandchildren. And you have all these people. Because you become a, a, fount, a fountain of the, the blessing of the Lord being sent forth through you. And you reach generations. You receive a double portion. The people will come to you because your inheritance are the people that you lead to the Lord. And so you will inherit a double portion of the land and an everlasting joy will be yours. And I love what he says in verse 8. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. You see, what God has done is God has done the work already. All we have to do is activate it. And I want to pray for us this morning that the Holy Spirit would just help us to see things in a different light. That the Holy Spirit would help us to see that we are the people of God who are called to communicate His love with others. You know, in Matthew chapter 22, Jesus said this, and I love this. He was asked, what was the greatest commandment by the religious people of His day? They were trying to get Him in a trick question. Well, which is the greatest commandment? Come on, narrow it down to one thing that we could, we could pin you on. And I love Jesus because he, he responds with giving him a, a two-pronged answer. He says in Matthew chapter uh, 20, uh, 22, verse 37 through 40, he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And then he says this, Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. And in doing so, you will fulfill all the law and the prophets. All of the law and the prophets are held together in these two commandments. Love God and love others. Let me tell you, when, when we as believers are baptized with a spirit of love, it draws people to Jesus. You know why? Because they see Christ in us and they want to know, what makes you so different? Why when other people don't treat me well, you treat me so well? Why, when other people are mean to me, you're kind to me? Why are other people, when they're, they're biased against me, you're not biased? Why, why are you so different than everyone else? And you know why? You could tell them, because the love of Christ lives in me. And the same love that I have, the Lord wants to give to you. And that's what we're called to be people. We're called to be people who are dispensers of God's love. And I'll tell you, one of the things that God has always showed me is usually it's the people that are the most unloving are the people that God will bring across your path over and over because He wants them to come to know Him. So let's pray. Father, right now we pray. And we ask that You would help us as men and women to be dispensers of Your love. I pray that, Father, we would embody the words of the prophet Isaiah from Isaiah 61. And that, God, we would proclaim the good news to the poor. We would bind up those that are brokenhearted. God, we would pray for those that are in captivity and they would be released. 
and that, Lord, we would be able to proclaim the acceptable, favorable time of your, 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 your uh, presence in their life. I pray that the favor of the Lord would be dispensed through us to people we come in contact with. I pray, Father, as, as we walk around doing our daily chores, doing our daily responsibilities, doing our daily tasks that we're assigned by even by our employer, that, God, you would give us divine encounters and divine contacts. I pray, Father, that you would move upon us to, to see opportunities that we've never seen before. I pray that, God, you would help us to be ambassadors for you everywhere we go. And I pray that you would release through us the power of your love, the power of your forgiveness, the power of your restoration, that, God, we would be instruments that are used by your hands to bring people into a knowledge of Jesus Christ that would transform their lives. I pray, Lord, that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, Lord, we just surrender ourselves to you this morning. Make us people who represent Jesus to everyone we come in contact with. In Christ's name we ask. Amen. Why don't we stand? We're going to worship, and then Pastor Lynn's going to come and close in prayer.
So we're going to pray. What I'm going to pray is that we're not afraid to share the message. That we have the love of God in us. That that is the thing, the first thing that people encounter is his love. Not even our words, but the presence of his love. You know, when a loving person is around, you feel it. I mean, there are certain people that are even in my life that I'm glad when they show up. You know, maybe there's a lot of chaos going on, but then they show up and it kind of gives you like, oh, I'm so glad they're here because they're strong and they have peace and they're joyful and they believe God. They have faith. You know, people are looking for that. They're looking for that. The world, Don't be deceived. People are looking. They're, they're waiting. Like that lady at the beach. I didn't know that Jesus was God. Nobody told me. 55 years old, 58 years old. Nobody told me. You know, people are looking for the answer. Are you willing to bring it? Are you willing to step out? Are you willing to get out of your comfort zone? Are you willing to let God mess up your schedule? Are you willing to let God bring you on the adventure? Are you too afraid of rejection? Are you so afraid of what people think? That you're unwilling to step out. To have those beautiful feet that Jesus says that you have. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And that word is gospel. Bringing his good news of love. You know, they're there. They're waiting. And the Lord wants you to know that they're waiting for you. In your life, people that you already know. In the sports programs your customers, your neighbors, your family members, they're there. So I'm going to pray for all of us because the Lord wants to bring us into a new dimension. And and may we be sensitive to the divine appointment. There's a moment that you will have an argument with God. I'm I'm going to convince you in a sense, let you know. There'll be a moment when the Lord says, you know, it's time for you to tell them something. Here's what I want you to tell them. And you're going to argue with God for a moment. Well, Lord, it's not the right time. It would be awkward. You know, what if the makes it, makes it, you know, you're going to have that. I'm calling it out because I know I've been there. And you know what I want you to do? I want you to have those beautiful feet. I'm going to have beautiful feet. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to, I'm going to cross into that adventure with you, Lord. We read in the book of Acts how they went on the adventure listen the disciples are just like us and actually they hid out they hid out when jesus was dying they were hiding out until jesus was resurrected they come he finally comes and appears to them and you know what it was normal or as natural or it's human for us to hide out and afraid of rejection afraid of you know breaking the silence but jesus said you know what you will receive power After the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you're going to be my witnesses. And then we find in the book of Acts the stories where Peter and John go into the temple. And there's a lame man who's been there for lame all his life. And they say, and the lame man has no expectation except for some money. And he's begging for money. And they say to him, look at us. And he looks, but he wants money. And Peter and John say, you know what? I'm not going to give you money. I'm going to give you something better. Silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, I'm going to give to you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk a divine appointment. You're no different than that. There are people who are lame, maybe not physically, but they're lame. They, they feel like they have no purpose in life. There are people who are broken, broken hearted. There are people who are blind that God wants to send you to. The same spirit that was in 
Peter and John on that day is in you. And this generation needs you to be those beautiful feet. Lord, the truth is this, and maybe we've heard it more than once, but there are people's eternal lives that weigh in the balance of our obedience. There are people that are around us that don't know you that until we tell them about you or show them you by our love they will not know their creator and Lord I pray Father that we would break off apathy we would break off a spirit of fear we would break off caring about rejection of man more than caring about your call on our lives to love people enough to tell them Lord may we love them enough to tell them to tell them Lord about you to show them more than just tell them show them by the presence of Jesus in our lives Lord you said the harvest is white the world says it's not the people around us the, the culture even some of the the rhetoric in the media says oh they don't want stay out of their business stay out of the don't interfere with other people telling us those things but you're saying differently you're telling us no they want to know me they want my love they want my peace and the way that they will receive it is through somebody one of my children telling them so Lord I pray over us as we go out into our own worlds our assignments our responsibilities our families our neighborhoods our community our jobs that Lord we would go with that softened heart towards other people with the beautiful message that you have given to us in your precious name amen God bless you have a great week Look for those divine appointments. Next week we have baptisms. And I'll see you here. Your kindness leads me to repentance. Your goodness draws me to